Hello, I'm Dr. Laura. Welcome to Where Work Meets Life. Today's episode is on making bold life changes turning fear into courage with Samra Zafar. I was first made aware of Samra Zafar's book, A Good Wife, by my PR coordinator, Andrea Burke, who read the book in a women's studies class at university and said it was such a powerful read that it really stuck with her. So I got my hands on the book. I couldn't put it down. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Samra. She's an award-winning, internationally renowned speaker, best-selling author. She's an educator for equity, mental health, and human rights. She's currently pursuing an MD at McMaster's DeGroote School of Medicine with the purpose of becoming a psychiatrist promoting inclusive mental health. She's the founder and CEO of Brave Beginnings, which we'll talk more about in the episode. And she's been recognized twice among the top 100 most powerful women in Canada. Canada and recognized as a 25 most inspirational women in Canada and top 25 Canadian immigrants. She has won numerous awards and her book, A Good Wife, is about escaping the life she never chose based on being forced into an arranged marriage as a child and getting out of that marriage uh, to build a life for herself, a life that started out in the finance industry and now she is making an amazing pivot into medicine. I really admire her bold and courageous decisions to start a new life and to pivot careers mid-career, which at Canada Career Counseling, I've seen time and time again how difficult that type of move can be, but also how fulfilling and meaningful. So thank you for being on the show, Samra. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for this discussion. And thank you for the kind words and for reading my book. <laughs> my absolute pleasure. Tell us about where you're at in your life and career now, Samra. Where am I now? I am in the final stretches of medical school, which is so hard to believe. I feel like I just got started. I was actually thinking about that th this morning. I'm like, how am I a few months away uh, from completing this degree? It's, it's, it's really incredible how when you make a decision and you, it may seem like an insurmountable mountain in front of you at, at the beginning, but then, you know, you, you, you take some steps and some time passes and you look back and you're like, wow, I've just made so much progress. I can't believe I'm so far up uh, this mountain that seemed, you know, uh, so daunting in the beginning. So, yeah, so kind of in the in, in the very final stretches of medical school, um, right, just finished writing my second book. So that's coming out next year. It's in the editing stages now. And uh, just growing my speaking and writing business and, uh, and loving the impact that uh, I'm able to create. That is fabulous. And people always say medical school takes so long or a PhD takes so long. But I say those years pass regardless if you're in school or not. Um, and school is uh, really an interesting and, and growth period of, of your life. Um, so tell us about medical school and the field that you plan to specialize in, Samra. Yes, and just touching back to what you said, you know, uh, this is something I heard from people when I decided to uh, apply to medical school that, oh my God, it's going to take you these many years, you know, three years of medical school, five years of residency training. And I said, you know what, those eight years will pass by anyway. 
they will pass by. They will pass by whether I work in banking, which, uh, you know, I, I'm grateful for that career and it helps pay the bills, but there's not really much else there that I'm passionate about. Um, those years will pass by doing something else. So might as well pass them doing something that I'm actually excited about and I care about. So on that note, you know, what I care about and what I've been really, really excited about in in my life since I left my marriage um, has really been about healing and about uh, mental health and mental wellness and well-being and resilience. Like those are topics that are so close to my heart. And looking at that mental wellness and resilience through a lens of intersectionality, through a lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion, because not all of us see and experience mental health and trauma and illness the same way. We are all very highly intersectional human beings where we bring in our life experiences, experiences of past, uh, you know, prejudices, past discrimination, where whether we're a newcomer uh, in Canada, whether we're an immigrant, whether we have had uh, intergenerational trauma in the background, all those things come with us. We don't leave bits and pieces of us at the door when we show up to work or when we show up to the doctor's office. So it is really important to have that lens and uh, meet people where they are, you know, and that golden adage, treat people how you'd like to be treated. I like to rephrase that and say, treat people how they would like to be treated, because they don't necessarily want to be treated the same way you want to be treated. We're all very different and unique. And having that um, understanding and uh, how to open that door, how to ask someone how they want to be supported instead of, instead of just assuming what they would need. Uh, I think it's such an important trait, whether it comes to work, whether it comes to leadership, whether it comes to our personal lives uh, as parents uh, or even, uh, you know, as physicians, uh, which I'm really excited to uh, go into. And, and so on that note, my area of interest is psychiatry. That's what I'm planning on pursuing next year when I finish medical school. I think that's wonderful. And I think, Samra, that you'll bring such a holistic perspective in terms of medication, but also other forms of, of healing and, and hope and resiliency building for, for human beings. I hope so. I, I certainly hope so. I think um, medications and uh, treatments are extremely important, and I'm definitely learning the importance of it and seeing the impact it makes on people. Um, at the end of the day, we are all human beings, and sometimes that little bit of humanity and empathy and validation and communication and just meeting somebody where they are in their journey can go such a long way, such a long way. Um, so it's not just about, you know, what you do for people, it's how you do it for them and uh, and where you meet them and, and how do you validate them and hold that space for them. Uh, because all of us are in the driver's seat of our own healing, but we all need some support and uh, somebody to hold that space for us. So I'm really excited about uh, about the career and, and not just in the, uh, in the clinic and with my patients, but also outside uh, of that in terms of my work as a speaker and author and advocate and uh, all the other facets of things that I do. <laughs> you remind me of a bit of myself. There's a lot going on, but you love everything you do. And you've built this life for yourself after going through so much. And I, I want to ask you, Samra, what qualities do you feel helped you 
with these major life changes, these courageous decisions that you've made? Courage is uh, is an interesting word, and I've you know listened and heard to so many incredible definitions of it and examples of it. And something that's really stuck to me, and what I uh, often say uh, about courage is that courage is not the absence of fear. You know, sometimes you hear this, be fearless. I mean, if I go to Indigo and I see all these journals with fearless written across the top and I cringe because there is no such thing as fearless. Fearless does not exist. If we were fearless, we would not be humans. So uh, fear is a very natural part of our human emotion spectrum. It's a healthy emotion. It keeps us away from doing reckless things. It's a very natural emotion. So fear is always there. So sometimes when people ask me, like, how were you able to do all these things and make all these big changes? And how were you, weren't you afraid? And I was like, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified when I was leaving my marriage. I was terrified when I was applying to medical school. I was terrified when I was, uh, you know, trying to um, just apply for new jobs or uh, put my name in the in, in the ring for new promotions and things like that. Absolutely. Every single time I go on stage, I'm terrified. Uh, turning the camera on today, I had this, uh, this fear kick in that, oh, would I have something important to say? It's very, very natural to feel those feelings of fear and imposter syndrome and all those things. So courage is not the absence of those things. Courage is, yes, I am afraid right now. Yes, I'm terrified. Yes, this feels scary, but this means something to me and I care about this. So I'm going to do it anyway. Courage is trusting in your ability to figure things out. Even though you don't have a crystal ball, you don't have all your ducks in a row, you don't know where you will land, you don't know if everything will go according to plan. You know, one of my, uh, one of the quotes that I love is, we're busy making plans while the universe is laughing at us. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, we're, we make plans and then, you know, we start something and we're like, oh my God, what do I do now? So it's not about knowing everything that will happen. It's about being fluid and being adaptable and trusting in your ability that no matter what comes my way, I will figure it out because I've figured things out before. And what stood out to me was that as that, you know, young woman who had two daughters and you were really trapped in not only an abusive marriage, but an abusive household uh, with the way that your in-laws treated you, which was absolutely unacceptable. But I, I just think you cared enough about yourself and your future to trust your instincts and, and make bold changes and good for you. You know, it, it's... Uh... It, it was a journey. When I look back, there were so many moments of feeling like there is no hope, like it's going to be a, this is going to be my life forever. I will never be able to make something of, of my dreams. And there was just something, this voice in my head that would never go away, that maybe there is a little bit of hope maybe there's a way I can do this. And I would then often sit, stand in front of a mirror and give myself pep talks. Or uh, I used to actually roll up a piece of paper and hold it like, like a fake degree, like a diploma. And I would stand in front of a mirror and practice my graduation speech that I would one day deliver, even when there was no hope of ever, ever being able to go to school. And that is how... I kept myself going and kept that hope alive. Like there was this, there was this um, 
voice that that always was inside of me that if I don't respect my dreams, that who will? If I don't believe in my goals, then who will? If I don't fight for my dreams, then who will? And and you have to start yourself. Like you can have a ton of people supporting you, but if you're not supporting yourself, if you're not championing yourself, all those people are not going to be able to do much and vice versa. Even if you don't have anyone, and I was certainly in that place when I was in my marriage, there was no one who believed in me or supported me. And oftentimes I felt completely alone uh, up against all kinds of odds. But that voice, that inner voice never left me. And it was up to me to be my own biggest champion and be my own cheerleader. And and that you did. So what advice do you have for others, Samra, in order to tap into that inner voice and to have that courage to overcome the, the fear when they're trying to make a transition? So there's a few pieces that I talk about. And I think one of them is understanding. Like Everything starts with awareness and recognition. The limiting voices in our minds are often coming from somewhere. In my case, a lot of the limiting beliefs that I've had for myself or have held me back in certain ways or have led to fear and feelings of imposter syndrome come from being raised in a family and a community where my dreams were oftentimes invalidated, where I was often told that because I'm a girl, because of my gender, I don't have the right to dream big. And then that went into my marriage as well, where I was often put down and told that, why are you such an abnormal woman that you have these dreams of career and education? And again, invalidated and abused in many ways. And abuse does all kinds of things to you. Like the psychological damage of abuse is far, far greater than sometimes the physical damage. And because it's over time, it it makes you um, completely like a hollow shell. And, and I felt like I just did not even know who I was anymore. I did not have any sense of self-worth. So when I have those feelings today and I look back and I trace them back to those voices and those messages that I heard in my childhood and in my marriage, that awareness is the first step that, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. And practice that awareness in a very, very non-judgmental way. So don't judge yourself. Oh my God, why is this still affecting me? Why am I still so, you know, beaten down by these voices. Like I've left my marriage, what, 15 years ago. Why does this still continue to, you know, take a toll on me? Well, you're human, that's why, <laughs> right? And so being kind to yourself in that process, because sometimes that brings up pain, sometimes that brings up bad memories. So being very kind, being very self-compassionate is extremely important. So once you recognize and you are kind to yourself, then you can start doing the work of healing. And then you start doing the work of overcoming and turning those things around and forming new neural pathways. And doing that requires consistency and little efforts. So for me, it's affirmations. It's standing in front of a mirror and giving myself pep talks. It's putting things on a vision board in my room. Uh, it's uh, being mindful of how my inner dialogue is going on. For instance, uh, things like, you know, oftentimes when I catch myself uh, being hard on myself, 
or falling into that perfectionism mold, uh, then I will often ask myself the question, would I ever talk to my daughter this way, the way that I'm talking to myself right now? And if the answer is no, then I'm going to stop. Because if I wouldn't talk to my daughter this way, if I wouldn't talk to my best friend this way, why am I talking to myself this way? You know, and aware of that and then uh, being kind to yourself allows you to do the work to change it. And that requires that consistent effort. Yeah, consistent efforts on a daily and weekly basis. And I, I love the way you said that. I couldn't agree more, Samra. Now let's just switch gears. I know that you have a new book coming out next year, which uh, I'm excited for, but I want to just explore the uh, book A Good Wife a little bit more because not everyone who's watching the show may have heard of it. So tell us a little more about your book and how it's impacted people so far. Yes, thank you for asking. And um, so my first book, A Good Wife, uh, came out in 2019. And that is a book about my story of escaping that abusive marriage. Uh, in a nutshell, in two sentences, I was I was uh, forced into marriage at the age of 16. Uh, that's how I, I came to Canada as a child bride. Uh, my ex-husband was already uh, Canadian. Uh, and so he basically imported me as his wife. And, uh, and I came here in my teens, not knowing um, any of my rights, uh, not being aware of any opportunities in this country, completely new, scared, terrified, and with a little bit of hope that maybe this is the land where I can fulfill all my education dreams and go to university and, and all of that, because that's kind of what was promised to me. Uh, when this marriage happened. and But I came here and uh, all those promises turned out to be very hollow. And I was told that I cannot go to school because now I'm someone's wife and I'm a mom and I'm a daughter-in-law and that's my job is to stay at home and be a proper woman. And uh, and that uh, became my world for, uh, for many, many years where I was uh, told that... Um, this is my place. And I tried to be on that pedestal of being, uh, quote unquote, a good wife uh, Many for many years. I tried to play that role, but I always felt short. Um, it was never good enough. And I suffered the consequences as a result. So it was a very dark place to be in, a very dark time. Uh, but like I was alluding to before, it also... Uh, there was that voice in my, that inner voice that never left me and kept me going through those dark times. And eventually I started making efforts and little inroads to get myself out of it uh, and um, left after 10 years of marriage, uh, two daughters with me, uh, not knowing where I'm going to go, uh, living on student housing and working multiple jobs and uh, trying to make ends meet, living in poverty going to school full time, dealing with all the cultural backlash and the family backlash, as well as um, uh, the court cases and everything. And uh, eventually graduated as the top student at U of T and, um, and got a lot of uh, academic success and started my career. And that's when I, I decided to share my story because I knew deep down that my story is not just my story. It is the story of 
so many of us, maybe all of us in different ways, shapes and forms. We may have different stories, but we're all on the same journey to be our most authentic and truest and best selves and free selves. And I just knew that I had to do my part to make a difference. So uh, my very first time sharing my story was actually in a blog that my friend's mom used to write. Uh, and it was published on my convocation day in 2013. And I got my degree in the morning, already a very emotional moment for me came home and uh, logged into my social media and it was flooded with messages from all over the world uh, congratulating yeah. me, thanking me and uh, resonating with me. And I just knew that I could never stop. And over the years, it's grown into, into the work that I do now. And every single day, I feel like I'm just getting started. Wow. Hearing that gave me goosebumps. Thank you for being courageous enough to share your story. And I'm guessing that hearing your story has helped many women come out of the woodwork and express to you how your story has helped them leave difficult situations. Is that right? Countless, probably in the thousands, if, if not more, messages over the last few years since my book came out, or even before that, when I did my article in Toronto Life and my TED Talk, uh, it is like the TED talk itself is almost at 2 million views and the article reached, uh, you know, millions of people and, and, and the book has been published in several countries. And the amount of love and uh, support that I've received, and especially the women who reach out to me that this has helped them. Like I had, I had one woman who wrote to me that my my husband won't allow me to read your book, so I'm hiding in my local library to read it. Um, and it is giving me the courage that I need. Uh, and uh, three girls, uh, high school girls from a village in India wrote to me uh, that they wrote me a handwritten letter that um, reading your book, we've decided that we're not going to let anyone or anything stand in the way of our dreams. Uh, a man from Pakistan, in, from Karachi, the same city I was born in, wrote to me that I have just read your story. I have a 17-year-old daughter who's about to get married next month, and I'm going to cancel her wedding and send her to school. Um, these are just, you know, a few of the examples. And uh, every single day, uh, I get messages on social media, on my email, and it is honestly the the most... I'm going to tear up. It's the, it's the most incredible privilege of my life um, to be able to take something painful and negative that happened to me and turn that into a, into a positive force. It's, uh, I feel very, very lucky to be able to do that and, and to be able to touch people in that way and, and show them the light that they have within themselves. You know, we often go around looking outside for courage. It actually lies inside us, but sometimes we need someone to show us our own power. And I wouldn't be here if enough people in my life hadn't shown me that. And, and everything I do is just a, a way to pay it forward. Paying it forward is obviously very important to you, Samra. Can you tell us other ways that you're paying it forward, such as the Brave Beginnings charity that you started? Yes, um, my charity, Brief Beginnings, that I founded a few years ago, um, it's based on a mentoring program. So uh, when I started sharing my story, I was 
I would get approached by women in the community and they would like, can we have coffee with you? I'm going through the same thing and I would love to just kind of get some inspiration and motivation. So I started mentoring women just informally um, and I saw the difference that it made, you know, women who were able to start new businesses or change careers or leave their, leave their own uh, toxic situations. Uh, and I was like, wow, what if, what if there was a network of women supporting women, uh, women supporting survivors like this? And uh, I decided to create Brave Beginnings. So it's a mentoring program where uh, we recruit mentors who are women who are wanting to give back some of their time and energy, uh, not money, time and human connection every month for like an hour or two hours to really just sit down with someone, a survivor who is looking to carve her own path after escaping abuse. Uh, so it's kind of like if, if you've heard of the organization Big Brothers Big Sisters, it's kind of like that sort of a model but for abuse survivors. Uh, so we just became, uh, Brief Beginnings just became a registered charity, which we're very excited about and we're in the process of growing it nationally so uh, that's that's very exciting um, and other ways you know are I volunteer a lot I've served on different boards including the board at U of T where I was serving for six years so I finished my term right around when I started medical school and then after that and now I'm serving on the board of Women's College Hospital Foundation, as well as Plan International Canada, where they do a lot of work around child marriage that I support. Uh, and uh, and I continue to mentor. Mentoring is such a huge part of my life. Uh, I have mentors uh, without whom I wouldn't be here. And uh, so that's a, that's a big part of paying it forward for me. I'm always available uh, to talk, to chat, to have, uh, you know, ongoing conversations whenever I can, whenever I have capacity. So when I put on my psychologist hat and I hear all of those different things that, that you're involved with, Samra, whether it's your medical degree, board work, volunteering, speaking, writing your next book, I think, how does she make time for her own work-life wellness? Are you willing to share how you do that, Samra? So I think of work-life uh, integration instead of work-life balance. And I love how you put it, actually, that's even better, work-life wellness. Uh, because work-life is not, it's not separate. It's not like a seesaw that you're trying to balance, right? It's all integrated. And, um, and I think a big part of what keeps me going is that my work is very tied to my life. I love doing what I do. So it's not like something that's taking me away. It, it, my work gives me a lot of joy. Uh, yes, there are parts where I'm doing pulling all-nighters to study for an exam that I do not enjoy, <laughs> absolutely. But overall, like the even though the process and the short-term pain uh, might be there, but it actually is is meaningful because I'm working towards uh, something that I'm building and envisioning. Um, which, which, which feels really good. Um, I'm very, very proactive about carving out me time and rest time. So I, uh, I've, I used to be that person who would go, 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 and then crash. And then I would need a spa day to recover and then go, go, go again. And now uh, I've become, and that, that, that actually, that way that I used to be like, it caught up to me. And uh, I, I almost had a breakdown a few years ago. And uh, I was like, no, that's not healthy. So what I do now is uh, my motto is treat my mental health like it's my dental health. So we wouldn't, we wouldn't um, you know, uh, wait for 
uh, a tooth to fall out or a cavity to happen before we start brushing our teeth in the morning. <laughs> I hope not, right? So, so why do we wait for a panic attack or a breakdown or, uh, you know, uh, like something cata- cata- uh, catastrophic to happen before we start taking care of our mental health? Uh, so I'm very proactive. I try to carve out um, 20 minutes every single day, whether it's to meditate, whether it's to sleep in, whether it's to bubble bath, whether it's to go out for a walk, talk to a friend, but at least sometime every single day. And sometimes, some days it'll be more, some days it might be a little bit less, uh, but I make it a point to at least have that time carved out for myself. Like today I'm going out for lunch with a friend and I have an exam in a week. And yes, there's that guilt coming in. Oh my God, I should be studying instead of going out and having lunch with a friend and having fun. But I also know that once I come back feeling invigorated and having taken care of myself, it would it would actually make me more productive um, in my studying as well, right? Instead of feeling burned out. You, you can't do much when you're burned out. So um, So it's very important to be proactive about it. And that's kind of how I go about that. Mental health and dental health. I love that. That is just pure brilliance, Samra. So how do you learn and develop? What is one book or podcast that has helped you grow, Samra? Oh, there's so many. Um, but I will uh, I will allude to the latest one that I'm reading that has been tremendously helpful for me. Uh, it is a book called Good Morning, I Love You by Dr. Shauna Shapiro. And it is a book on self-compassion. I, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many aha moments and goosebumps I've had listening to it. I listen to books because I'm an audiobook girl. I drive a lot and that's kind of my, uh, my audible is, is my, is my companion when I'm driving. So, uh, something that she shares in her book quite a bit, uh, and she does it in a scientific way, as well as a story way, which I love, uh, is that, you know, oftentimes when we are, facing something tough, um, or we fail, let's say we fall, uh, we default to one of two methods. We either shame ourselves um, or we pull ourselves up by saying things like, are we overcompensate for that failure by going for something new? Like, you know, oh, I'm going to apply for another award. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, uh, you know, do something. Um, it's like lifting up our accomplishments, uh, right? So we either, but shame never works because uh, shame actually shuts down our learning centers in our brain. And the accomplishment piece is, is fickle. It's like, if you're accomplishing, we feel great, but then we're not, and then we don't feel so great. So, but working on self-compassion and self-kindness is a more stable form of self-worth. Accomplishments is fickle. It's like a volatile self-worth, but uh, but our inner self-compassion, self-kindness gives a stable self-worth. This knowing that I'm worthy, I'm enough, I am good, I am uh, an equal, I am all those things with or without my accomplishments, with or without my failures. It's inherent. And how do we practice that? So it gives very practical tips and suggestions. And I've certainly taken a few of those to heart. Uh, I've needed that book through medical school because medical school is tough. It's a grind and there are setbacks and there are so many moments of doubt. Am I, did I do the right thing and whatnot? And, you know, and, and uh, 
you meet all kinds of people with all kinds of egos and, and it takes a toll on you. So that book has been instrumental. That is great. We are definitely going to share it in the show notes, in the blog article that follows the episode. And my final question for you, Samra, is if you had one wish for a better world, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Where do I start with that? I think um, my one wish for a better world would be if people took the time to talk to each other talk to each other, understand each other, not just talk in the sense of, um, oh, I have this to say, you got to listen to me, but active speaking, active listening. Um, We are so quick to judgment in a world like we are in today. We uh, often form judgments about people based on social media pictures and posts, and we, we have lost... Um, the art of dialogue, the art of discourse, uh, the art of disagreeing with each other, but still respecting each other. People will have different opinions. People will have different uh, ways of seeing things. And if we are so quick to label others and cancel others, don't get me wrong. There are people I would like to cancel. <laughs> you know, there are some, some things that are extreme and should never be tolerated. Uh, there are people with extreme views that should never be tolerated. But I think in the everyday course of life, uh, the importance of human connection and compassion is so important, especially in a technology-driven world like we are in today. You know, if someone's making a mistake or something, and if a friend of ours, like I'll, you know, a uh, uh, I have a very, very good friend who said something that hurt me as a person of color. And it was, it was, you know, something that it was very invalidating. Uh, and, um, and I had a, had a choice, you know, okay, you know what, he's a fake ally. I'm not going to trust him anymore and cancel the friendship. And in fact, when I spoke to a couple of other people, they actually even gave me that suggestion. And I was like, but no, this is a friend and we all make mistakes. I want to be an ally. And I've said things that are awful sometimes without the intention, but just because I didn't have the right words. So I, you know, I reached out to him and we sat down, we had a coffee and he understood where I was coming from and apologized. And we were able to use that as a learning moment and it actually strengthened our friendship. So I think my one wish for the world today would be like, technology is great. Uh, social media keeps us connected. I'm not against those things, but let's not lose the art of human connection and human discourse and active listening, because that's what creates a more resilient world and a more resilient us. Thank you, Samra, for your courage, your authenticity, your transparency, for sharing so much useful information from your own life story. And I'm looking so forward to talking with you about your next book in 2024. Thank you again for being on Where Work Meets Life and stay well. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Where Work Meets Life. If you enjoyed the content, please rate and review and share with others who may benefit. Visit me at my website, drlaura.live and sign up for my monthly e-newsletter full of tips and resources. I'm also a passionate keynote speaker and would be delighted to connect about your speaking needs. Check out my podcast summary for links to my psychology practices, Canada career counseling, and synthesis psychology. Stay well.